hundreds of pages, thousands of words, millions of letters. Welcome to the Kanja Book Club. The price of admission? What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Kanja Book Club, a weekly teening podcast where we intentionally experience Star Wars books together with our incredible community. I am one of your hosts, Timothy Guthrie, and I am with the good man from way around the other side of the world, the land down under, Adam Dyson. How are you, man? Pretty good, mate. Thank you. Good's pretty subjective, but I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> what? What? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm ready to talk about this section. Great section. Great good. book. Great book. It was hard to put it down again. I finished all these chapters yes. by Monday, and I was like, oh, I'm now going to like wait a week. <laughs> and you talk about and... the format of this show. <laughs> Yes, yes, for sure. And we also have, straight off of one of the best answers he's ever gotten to a question in his life, Patrick McIntosh is back. How you doing, Mr. Newly Engaged Person? I'm doing well. Um, Actually, I got my engagement photos done this morning. And hey. uh, while the weather was cooperating, got to do them outside with the fall leaves and everything. And with like a little pond and everything in the background, had some like some wildlife back there looking all cute and everything so yeah look at that real excited that's, that's awesome precious Ab- absolutely precious right well we missed you last week so glad to have you back now yeah Timothy, i did realize something and i know as a married man yourself you understand this yeah that uh as soon as you get engaged your wife becomes your safe side adult and that you just become like a toddler to them that drinks alcohol there's that (laughs) there's that like like my girl went from having those little cute small little michael kors purses to now she's got the little big old backpack purse because she says i know you wanted a snack here's a granola bar (laughs) i didn't say i was hungry yeah i'm actually hungry (laughs) you will eat your lunch right now (laughs) Mm -hmm. and here did you bring a mask oh i kind of dropped oh i think i dropped it here <laughs> yeah my uh, hand sanitizer thank you <laughs> <laughs> yeah my my wife is a, a fourth grade teacher so there's a little bit extra there on my side of things but we we used to travel a lot like in college like like we you know take little day trips to different states and things and try out some new places and so i learned way early on that she is a fantastic co-pilot so if, if you got you one of them you good <laughs> oh yeah if they're also if they're willing to drive, yeah, they're with they are willing to drive just a little bit. I don't even need you to drive that much. Like, <laughs> say we have a fifteen hour drive, I don't need you to drive like four of them hours. I can do the other eleven. Just let me catch a nap, and we good. <laughs> Goodness. Well, glad that all is well in your world. Looking forward to seeing some of those pictures. You're gonna have to throw some of those up in the Discord. You know that, right? Oh, no doubt. Good, 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 good. Well, glad that everybody has joined us. Um, if you are new to the show, welcome. We are live in Discord every Saturday at 4 p.m. Eastern. And if that isn't enough for you, we also have the Utini P- Patreon feed every Tuesday morning around midnight. If you'd like more info on Discord or Patreon, send us a message and we'll get you all sorted out. I uh, do have a couple of quick updates, announcements I want to make for Patreon, particularly two things. The first being pull out your calendar, get you a pin nice and bright something that's going to call your attention 
for our Inquisitorious tier and up, that's our $10 tier and up, we are doing a Night at the Opera live watch party event on October 30th at 8 p.m. Um, we are going to get together with the Living Force guys, some of the other Utini staff, um, and our patrons, and we're all going to get together and watch the episodes 7 and 8 of Mandalorian Season 1, and then we're going to watch the premiere of Mandalorian Season 2. So that is at 8 p.m. Eastern, October 30th. That's next Friday. Make sure if you're not already on Patreon, you can head over there and get that taken care of. Um, this will be posted on uh, Tuesday. So for those of you that are listening, you'll still have some time to get in there. Um, you'll see a nice announcement and everything. But if you have any questions, feel free to hit us up. We also have, um, now that it has been announced in a couple different places, we have a new show coming to Patreon. It is also going to drop on October 30th, and it is uh, Calf Faves. If you say it really fast, it's like Calf Faves, um, kind of like cafe, you know, like get your coffee, but favorites and stuff. Adam, stop shaking your head at me. <laughs> it is featuring Meg and Heather. I'm super excited for that show to drop. Um, two of the most lovely people in the entire world. Absolutely hilarious. You are going to laugh your freaking face off. So that'll be available for all of our patrons starting at $5. So make sure to do that. The only other announcement is that if you haven't gotten Kenobi yet, it is our November book. Um, so make sure to head over to the website, make that purchase. Um, you still have a couple weeks to get that in. Um, we'll get it started here in two weeks. Holy cow, guys, we're almost finished with Dark Disciple. How crazy is that? Patrick, since you were out last week, right before we get into this crazy section that we're in, what were your thoughts on, you know, everything we talked about read last week? Where are you on this book so far? Um, Like I was saying to you guys pre-recording, this book, it's so on brand with the Clone Wars and how the Clone Wars characters are depicted that in my head, reading the dialogue and how the events went, I can picture this just like as a whole Clone Wars episode and a whole arc going in my in the back of my head. And I'm here for every minute of it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so good. Adam, do you have anything you want to say before we get into the, the summary? Yeah, nothing. Ad. Ready to go. Ready to go. Sweet. All right. Well, we are going to get into some serious spoiler heavy territory with this. This is a little bit longer of a summary because there was just a lot that happened. So bear with me on it. If you haven't read the book, plan to do so soon. Continue at your own risk. So last week, Yoda kicked us out of the council chambers. Um, when the door closed the council room, the masters get to work on arguing because, of course, they do. Kenobi wants to rescue Voss, but Mace wants to make sure that Ventress is nowhere near this upcoming mission to rescue him. Yoda comes in strong, though, and wants to offer her a full pardon upon rescuing Voss, which absolutely stuns the room. Um, of course, Anakin doesn't trust her, but they hear of where Dooku and Voss, going by the name Enigma, may be, so they set out to rescue him. On the way, Ventress tries to work through some of her feelings, right? Like she wishes Voss could be with them when they take out Dooku, but she also knows that if Voss can't be turned back to the light side, she's going to have to put him down. Um, they go to the Dreadnought, they get to this bridge, and Dooku's there. Voss is nowhere to be seen. What in the world's going on? Um, Anakin and Obi-Wan start fighting, but Ventress goes to find Voss. He's been in the brig, and it appears that Enigma has just been this giant ruse. Um, Kenobi gets Voss out of his bindings, but Ventress senses that. He's a trap and goes to kill him. Um, and then chapter change. Kenobi intervenes. Mass confusion sets in. Um, Ventress is like in a lot of pain, maybe. Uh, Kenobi, is he missing something? I don't know. 
Uh, the droids are coming and they take off to the hangar. Voss is with them and ends up helping them escape when all said and done. He thought that Ventress would know that, you know, he was only playing. He was only toying with the dark side angle in order to make Dooku think that he had actually turned. Um, everyone's excited to have Voss back at the temple, but Ventress can still feel the dark side flowing through him. Mace honors the clean slate that Yoda promised, and she goes to get out of there because she just can't stand to look at this monster anymore. Um, Voss trails her and says that everything that they had was real. Um, and Ventress just absolutely goes off on him. Um, but she can feel that everything that he's saying is true, right? Like he does actually have feelings for her. It's unfortunate now, though, because he's a Jedi again and that can't happen. <laughs> and right after that conversation, we see Anakin go and catch up with Padme, full of hypocrisy, right? Um, but she wonders if Ventress, you know, could be Voss's way back to the light. Maybe love can heal this dark side wound. Back at the temple, Desh is really concerned. You know, some time has gone by um, and Voss just doesn't seem to want to be near anybody that's been familiar to him in the past. Um, Kenobi plays it off as just he's recovering and that Ventress was mistaken about the dark side still being in him. Uh, Mace is concerned, too, but the council decides that it's worth giving Voss some more accountability. So Kenobi, Voss, Desh and Skywalker, they're all going to an asteroid that may house a base full of important supplies. On approach, droid fighters appear. The asteroid seems to be a great find. There's all kinds of medical supplies and a whole bunch of stuff there that is going to be useful for the Republic. Clones arrive to ship everything off site. But Voss wants to look around instead of helping. And he wants to just take a look, see what he can find, see how deep it goes. And he discovers bombs set to explode in exactly three minutes. Uh, it's convenient, right? Everyone makes it off the asteroid, but Dash is asked to hang back and see if anything is salvageable. Back on Coruscant, Ventress is at a bar and Voss shows up. Ventress asks him if she was right about him still having darkness inside of him back at the temple, and he admits that it's true. She goes to leave, but Voss tries to explain what happened. He wants Ventress more than Dooku at the end of the day, and that ought to be enough. He's truly in love with her. Ventress says that the Jedi would never allow it. And here comes Voss being, you know, the kind of guy that he is now. He doesn't belong with them anymore, right? He says that he can help them get Dooku and then he'll leave. Just has a couple more things he wants to do to play this out. Yoda is very grateful for Voss. Uh, Mace is willing to put him into service again. Um, they're sent to Vancor to find this listening post. Voss says they should be prepared for a real fight. Um, his droids should be everywhere, but it ends up being abandoned. Um, Voss finds this comb laying around and uses his psychometry to discover that the residents left two weeks ago, that Dooku had scuttled them out early. Kenobi thinks this is weird, right? Like there's got to be a leak. So he goes to Mace and Yoda. Um, Mace is under the impression that Voss hasn't truly fully been rehabilitated. They reach out to Dash on the asteroid, see if he's found anything since he's supposed to kind of been the, the cleanup crew. And Dash finds that the bombs were Republic in nature. So that's super sketchy. Yoda's like, you know, this isn't right. I'm going to pursue an inquiry on my own and discovers that Voss is indeed still on the dark side. He explains that um, whenever he touches someone, he can see their soul, which is really neat. Um, I think that's glossed over pretty quickly. But Mace wants to go straight to execution. Voss is a traitor. Let's put him down. Um, but Kenobi's like, no, 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 no. We should we should set a trap. We should see what we can do. See if we can save him here. And that's where we end it. I was telling you guys prior to the show that I forgot like the back half of this book. Apparently, <laughs> there are so many little things that happen here. Adam, what are your thoughts on everything that we witnessed in this particular section? I remembered everything until Mace wanted to execute someone. And then my 
anger and eyesight <laughs> went red and then I proceeded to forget the whole rest of the, the section. <laughs> but you're right, there's just a lot going on and then it ends on such a huge note that it's just you want to keep reading, but we just we just had to wait. Yep. Yep. Patrick, how about you? It was a lot to take in, huh? Yeah. It's man, it's one of those things that you really you really have to pay close attention to and you really have to hold your breath because things are happening just like bang bang, one thing after another. So, you know, going in chapter by chapter at this point, you know, we were asked to leave the room last week. So we stepped outside, you know, with Ventress and Anakin. We we're waiting to see what what the what the council was talking about. We figured it out, right? Patrick, what did you think about their conversation here? It just bled into full blown arguing, right? It really did. It was it was like, uh, well, well, Congress on Capitol Hill again. Also, let's let's not talk. Well, let us talk about the, the funniest part of that whole thing. <laughs> they made Anakin sit out in the hallway with her. <laughs> like, who yep. ever thought that was a good idea? <laughs> like, I can see him right now, like, trying to make small talk with everybody. It's like, uh, so y'all guys like pod racing? I see right, you got a ship on the hangar. Like, he hates her. Like, he absolutely hates Ventress. Doesn't trust her at all. Like, I can just, I, I don't, I don't know what that would look like. That would be absolutely hilarious. Adam, just how do you mugging her the whole time? Just. Yeah. Adam, how do you feel about your boy being put in the corner? <laughs> uh, I can see Ventress just thinking, oh, the brat's being kicked out in the hallway like the child that he is. <laughs> and he's just, yeah, just seething. Because <laughs> no doubt he wants yeah. to go on this mission. He wants to be part of the planning. And they're just like, nah, mate, nah. <laughs> yeah. What do you think about yoda being willing to offer ventress a clean slate adam did that take you by surprise at all and do you think she was worth it i think if we didn't get the these three sections prior to him offering clemency i'd be very surprised but we're seeing that she has changed and really she's deep down she's not a bad person she's just mm -hmm. suffered so much throughout her life and i think yoda can see that in her and he's just offering her a way out a way to start again in his own way. Yeah. Patrick, do you feel similarly? I do. I also think when Yoda seems more of the forgiving and more of when it comes to philosophical ideas of forgiveness and acceptance and repentance, he's he seems he fits more of that mold of repentant, like a forgiving Jedi than the rest of them. So him coming up with that makes a lot of sense. Now, if Mace would have came up with that, my head would have rolled around and fell on my head, fell off my head. Well, <laughs> I mean, fell off my body because I would have thought I was hallucinating if I had seen that. Yeah, for sure. And, you know, we will probably talk about this a little bit more earlier or later. Um, but I've got to ask, you know, like we see Obi-Wan outside of Yoda is really the only one on this council that makes any kind of sense. Has everyone else lost their dang mind? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, it, uh, I thought they were going to come to blows at one point in this. I was I was ready for it. I want to see I want to see Kiati Mundi and uh, and Mace just go at it. Right. Yeah. Although he agrees with Mace towards the end. But like, I just I, I want to see them come to blows. I, it makes you really feel bad for Kenobi, the whole prequels, because he had to be everybody's dad and everybody's like go to for reason and sense. Who do you say? Anakin doing something wild. 
<sighs> Gotta bring this boy back in. Council, doing something dumb. <sighs> Gotta talk to them, some sense into them. Don't want to do this no more. Whole political system. Out of the daggone mind. Gotta talk some sense into them, too. That man's tired. He just wants a he needs. He needs a raise, right? <laughs> if they're paying him, and whenever they're paying him, triple it. Yep. So they find out that, you know, Enigma and Dooku have been spotted. Um, so they take off in Ventress's ship. Um, Anakin sure as heck does not want to be there, <laughs> right? Like, uh, I, I think it was Patrick in one of your notes, right? I could just, you can see him kind of walking onto the ship, just like, man, this is some bull. <laughs> like, I don't want to be here for this, right? <laughs> so, it's like, at least not with her. <laughs> yeah. So they go to to rescue Voss to try to get Enigma out of this. Were you surprised that Dooku was in the captain's chair when they board the Dreadnought um, and not Voss? Did that jump out at you at all, Patrick? Did I was um I did like the twist though, mm-hmm. like they were setting it up as um he's just a a demoralizing placeholder in a way. It was just someone to um shoot down the Jedi's confidence. Yeah, Adam, do you feel similarly here? Yeah, because from my first read or my first listen, I thought I remembered Enigma sitting like being active, like from the very beginning. I completely forgot about this swerve. So it took me right. Took me by surprise. Yeah, uh, just to yeah see him. Um, Patrick used the word demoralized, right? To I completely. This is where I was like, oh no, I don't remember any of this. I don't. I don't remember. I remember him being on that side, but this whole little first couple chapters just kind of blew right past me. You know, Kenobi goes to get him down because. It looks like it, it it has all been a ruse um, that Voss really um, isn't in charge of the situation. Dooku's been controlling him. So Kenobi's like, good, we're actually going to rescue him because he's actually broken. And then Ventress just goes to jump in and try to kill him. Adam, is that was that justified on her part? Do you think you would have done the same? I don't think I would have, but I can definitely see why she would do that, where she's suffered for so long and she thought she had something truly special and then what happened on Sereno would have just completely demoralized her in that way and then she would have perhaps leaned into some old habits of anger and I'm going to use my lightsaber and I'm going to clean this up kind of thing so I can definitely see why she did it uh Patrick do you feel like you know, this is a response just from being so freshly wounded. Do you think that she was legitimately like she just legitimately knew that he was bad and was just going to put him down? What do you think was going through her mind here? I think it was a mixture of, um, you know, lover scorned, broken heart and all of the emotions that go with that. And especially someone who's had the emotional trauma that she's carried throughout the years of being rejected or being ripped away from the people that are close to her. Plus, finally feeling like she has a safe place and a comfort zone with him. It probably wrecked her to the core. And emotions emotions like that mixed with seeing him in that position where she was, being a pawn to his game, that probably just sent her over the edge. Yeah, yeah, for sure. If you were... were Kenobi, right? Would do you think you would have been as confused as he seemed to be? 
Um, Patrick? Yeah. I think I would have. Because, um, let's be honest, if Kenobi doesn't pick up on it, then you kind of like, all right, if there's nothing, if he didn't see anything, there's nothing there. Because, like I said, he's the one with the most yeah. sense. And going back to, like, how we were reading in, um, Revenge of the Sith, and in this novelization, it does a good job of telling how he's still very in tune with the Force and everything around his surroundings and him, the, how he deeply immersed he is into it. So if he doesn't pick up on it first, do you doubt the guy? No. Adam, you know, Voss tries to, to give an explanation, right? <laughs> if d- d- Is it believable? <laughs> Would you would you have believed him? Would you have trusted him here? I think it depends on who I was. If I was coming in from it from the Ventress point of view, who was there and, and saw what happened on Saron, I think it'd be very difficult for me to believe that that was all a ruse. It would have seemed just yeah. a little too real, which it was, he, he, as, we, as we're going to see. But, like, he could have escaped. He didn't. Like, I don't... Struggling to see the point where you're going to end up suspended on a dreadnought getting tortured at the end of the day i just it was it would it would have been hard for me to believe and i think kenobi was just so overjoyed to see that his friend wasn't admiral enigma and destroying republic forces that he just yeah he just wanted him out yeah yeah if you were i mean yeah being ventress right like if 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 someone tells you if someone deceives you someone tells you a lie right and you know that that's a lie you can't really trust anything else that's going to come out of their mouths right mm. and that's you know it in the same and it is very sad that kenobi can't quite see that is that's that speaks though to the 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 strength of Voss being able to hide that sense of the dark side from kenobi though and it it seems interesting to me that Ventress can pick up on it. You think that's just because she had still that that attunement to the dark side? Yeah, I think so. I do think so. And jumping on the Revenge of the Sith, like they also talk about the idea of the shadow and the shadow, you know, um, basically blinding a lot of the light light side users of the Force. Perhaps that had started to encroach on them at this point in the Clone War, where they're you know. They're just blind to a lot of these different aspects of the Force. Um, and naturally, Ventress, who has lived in the dark side for so long and really is leaning on the dark side right now to attack him and right. strengthening her own abilities, of course she can see it. But again, like Kenobi has compassion. He loves. We've seen that. We saw that at the end of Revenge of the Sith. He loved Anakin. He probably like half loves Quinlan, not, as much, like, not to the level of, the relationship with Anakin, but they are such good friends. And I think just rescuing, being able to rescue Voss and not seeing Voss as Enigma, like I think could have also blinded Obi-Wan a little bit. He was just probably a little overjoyed at that point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I can see that. Um, you know, Patrick, one of the things you mentioned was that reading this particular section, it felt like you were watching the Clone Wars, um, like you could see it play out. Right. And I think the whole going to the bridge and then splitting up into the different teams to go and take care of your own duties. Right. And then getting into 
um, you know, chapter 30, um, more 30, 31, where, you know, they go to the asteroid. I could, I I'm right there with you, right? Like I can see the animation style. I can see the lightsaber fights. I can, I can see, you know, James. James too. Yeah. Um, like I can, I can hear him coming through very clearly here. <laughs> it was, was it this kind of scene that, that really sparked that for you or is what we're getting, is it what we're getting into next? To be honest, it started when they were back on Dathmere, to be honest with you. Yeah. And what what really solidifies it for me is the part when there's like, oh, and a hole was cut open in the roof of the Dreadnought. And down from the (laughs) hole comes Anna. We know who comes from that hole. We know the only person (laughs) who's cutting holes in the floor and jumping through them. We know. (laughs) Yeah. Also, Adam, I thought right of you when I... When I was listening to that, I was like, who else but Skywalker? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man. Gets well, and we're gonna, well, we are going to talk about your boy here. You know, chapter 30, we get, you know, they rescue Vosh. Desh was super excited to see him back. You know, like his friend is back. Everything's going to be normal again, he thinks. But Ventress could still feel how strongly the dark side was in him. You know, Mace, for 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 who he is as a person, give him credit because he's the one that decides to tell Ventress uh, that, you know, they're going to honor the clean slate that Yoda set out to give, which was really cool. She's trying to get out. You know, they go and uh, Voss follows her. They talk in this little alcove. He apologizes. He's like, didn't you know that I was, you know, just playing around like I, I was I wasn't really doing it. Like, I love you and everything. Like he's totally the like the dumb jock boyfriend. Right. That we all knew in high school that kept trying to get back with the girl that he's broken her heart over and over and over again. I don't know. Did, did That's what I saw when I when I read this. Adam, do you feel similarly here? <laughs> Yeah, I do. I was like, come on, that plan's just a little convoluted, mate. And then you ended up in the same space. You could have left. You could just, you could have done it and you didn't. <laughs> yeah. No one's believing this, Colin. Yeah. <laughs> you were cool. No, you no. cheated on her for the third time. <laughs> the come third time. <laughs> Everybody else can see that you are full of it. Stop it. You're um, a terrible so- person, mate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so here so here's a fun question I'm going to ask each of you and I'm going to start with Patrick and God only knows where this is going to go. But Ventress has a blank slate. If you were her with her particular history, what would you do with a blank slate? Oof. Honestly, you can just go back to being a bounty hunter and make money. Just do what you were doing cuz you were not the only yeah, just go be a just use a great bounty hunter. Just go back to do that, make some money, and be done with both sides. Wash your hands of everything. Hey, that's a solid answer, Adam. How about you? What would you do with Ventress's clean slate? I was thinking that answer too, Pat. But I'm going to go way out there. I'm going to get in my ban. I'm going to get it in the banshee, and I'm going to go to wild space and never come back. <laughs> so you're going to run into the chiss. Wild space, the unknown regions just anywhere just i've had i've had had enough of the galaxy at this point (laughs) yeah i i was thinking you know she may uh i I was i think i'm closer to where adam eventually landed right that she's just going to take off and and just not deal with any of it just just go somewhere retire you know like like maybe start a a market or something just kind of set up just do her own thing even be a bounty hunter but just not in the known just get away go just yeah 
Start just again. Fresh start. No one knows you. Yep. Just be yourself somewhere else. Also, knowing though that she has, you know, the war crimes attached to her that she does, probably right. Like, there's no way the Senate would actually have approved that, right? I mean, am I am I misunderstanding? What they, do you think? They have to honor it because this is before Palpatine has full control over everybody's say so. So, yeah, I guess you're whether right. they want to or yeah. not, we already did it. And too think, bad. And I think that it was a great choice by Christy Golden to use Mace as the one that gives the pardon as well. I take it as two ways. I take it as the funny way that Yoda scolds him in the back office and goes, "As penance, you now have to give her the pardon because you're a douchebag." And then there is the. I'm going to give you the pardon. You're going to hear it from me because I'm going to be the one that takes it away from you as soon as you give me a reason to take it away. Yeah, that's good. Mm. That's good. I buy that. Definitely partial to the scolding in the background. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about this, mate. Sure. We talked about this. <laughs> so now, now, Adam, we we got to talk about uh, talk about your boy and and Padme's conversation first. Um, I do want to give a disclaimer. Mark Thompson's Padme could be a little bit better. <laughs> Funny though. <laughs> I, I've oh, loved, I I've loved, loved everything, and he's phenomenal. But Padme could use a little bit of work. But <laughs> why outside... from like South Carolina though? <laughs> they sound like oh, man. Charleston, South Carolina. So, you know, the, the, the funny thing, right, the irony is that, you know, we just leave a conversation where Ventress is like, it's not the Jedi way and you're not going to turn, right? Um, and then we see Anakin and Padme having basically the same conversation about them. And then, and then Anakin goes to say, like, but, but we're different. We're, we're not the same at all, we're, but we're different. And I'm like, this is another one of those dumb boyfriends that's broken up, you know, same girl three, four times, like same exact conversation. I don't so know. Assaulted her ex. Yeah. Well, times. there's that. There's that too. <laughs> Adam, how did you, how did you take to this conversation? That's, I, a few things jumped out at me. It is different because he has an obsessive love for Padme. And Quinlan's love for Ventress is on, like, basically on equal terms. It is what we would consider love to be. <laughs> um, but I did also like that he does catch himself a little bit. Yeah. A little bit, but then he doesn't learn from it. But, you know, mate. Anakin's like, I'm the chills one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, because, my, that's my reason. Because in this I'm conversation. Them, that's why. Yeah, because in this conversation, I'm also thinking back to when they're on the Banshee and they're leaving the Dreadnought and Anakin's trying to console Quinlan. I was like, she'll come around, mate. She'll come around. So he just, he tries and then he just can't learn. As soon as Padme's in his eyesight, it just changes. Um, yeah. Like, like I said, he even catches himself, but I don't think he learns from it at all. Right. Yeah, I thought I thought it was so interesting that he caught himself there. Uh, Patrick? Anakin's partially like the Chris Brown of the Jedi. That, oh, that... no. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, God. He's very talented. He's very talented. But off of, off of work duty, you just sit sometimes, shake your head and like, really? Come on, man. Hmm. No, uh, no, no, that's bad. Don't do that. That's etiquette. And like we, we've talked uh, about like where his obsessive love come, comes from and the, the fear of losing someone close to you, etc. as well. But 
I think that if this line, if, if he didn't catch himself in this book, I, th- I think it would have like hit the too much territory. It's like we all know that Anakin is bad in this area of his life, but like, come on, <laughs> throw the kid a bone. Yeah. And I think Christy Golden did a little bit. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. There's there's a little bit of a of a saving saving grace there, Patrick. It's be only because you had you you brought Chris Brown in. <laughs> I have I have two your fault <laughs> two two completely tangent uh, things here in mind, and they might go together. But now I really want to see each of the Jedi Council members. Which what artist do they best correspond with? Who is who is their who is their hip hop persona? I just know um, only one is Barry White, smooth voice and a beard. Okay. Okay. Handsome. So I I could I could deal with that. My second question is, who is the Jedi Council's Kanye? Dang. Yeah. Anakin we, when we he gets he... on the council, all that entitlement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There it is. More logical than Kanye though, which is odd. I don't know. He he goes through his uh, his fits and starts, right? Like sometimes he's pretty coherent, and then other times it's like, dude, dude, whatever you're on, stop. Like I said, he make he makes more sense. Like I said, that's more Chris Brown. Chris Brown's up and down. It's like mm-hmm. sometimes, oh, that's a great song. Other times, he's in the news. Assault. God dang it, not again. <laughs> Kanye's just been crazy. That's fair. <laughs> that, that's like, fair. An- like Anakin has the moments it's like, good. God, that man is great. And other times it's like, good God, what is wrong with you? Take a Xanax and shut up. <laughs> well, um, we get we get to chapter 31. Timothy? Yeah. Speaking on what we spoke on pre-recording about our childhood traumas. Did oh, Obi-Wan yeah. Did get the belt on him? Because I feel oh, like gosh. that just would have might have like, saved a little bit of something. Ah, uh, you know, I don't even know. <laughs> I don't. Nope, you just acted up one too many times. Go get my belt. Nope, go get my good one. Yeah, I don't know about that, Adam. You, you did miss our uh, right before you jumped in. We were we were kind of talking about our childhood traumas. I don't know. I feel like Anakin experienced enough childhood trauma <laughs> to need anything else. But maybe if if the Revenge of the Sith novelization is anything to go by, Watto is not a comedic <laughs> character. Ugh. All right, so let's moving on. Chapter thirty-one. Dash is concerned that Voss has been avoiding him, right? There's a little bit of a time jump here. Voss seems off. When y'all were first reading this, you know, did, could you attribute that to he's just healing? Or do you think you leaned more towards Ventress's side of, nah, this dude's just full bad? Adam, what did what did you think first time reading it? Uh, the first time I was still leaning into, I was on Ventress's side, but then I like this reading I looked at it as well like he's been through the ringer like yeah. you're not going to come back from that and just be hugging everybody and walking down the hallway high-fiving and in you know being the cool kid in the mess hall like that's changed Quinlan from there and I think it just you know you got Obi-Wan's like don't worry Dash he'll be fine he'll be fine I think that's just a little bit of the old Jedi mentality coming in where we're, mate he's not going to be fine stop not learning this lesson <laughs> basically right. like i think that's just it was the personification of mission first safety second like just stop 
Like he needs, like even if he wasn't the dark side, like you have to let him come to you. Yeah. And that also, I would, I would like to think that that would also give some, I mean, I guess it's still going to be subjective dependent on, you know, when he were to come to you, you know, if he shows up two days later and it's like, Hey, I'm ready to go. Like, let's go, let's go get into it. Give me another mission. Then everybody's going to be like, Whoa, Whoa, hold on a minute. Um, and then if it takes too long, then you might be like, Oh, I don't know. What's he doing? Um, but I do like that idea of, of giving him that space Mm. to, I'm ready for a new mission, even if it's still going to be like some kind of, of judgment call happening yeah, there. You know, um, we, we live in a world now where someone asking, are you okay, can change everything, right? Like yeah, you kind of have to yeah. also look at it from Quinlan's been in that building since he was a little kid and he's been told to put those emotions down and to meditate on himself and try to help himself where you kind of have to take it a little bit like that as well. Like to see if he's still has the ability to lean on the teachings he's been taught since he was knee height. Um, and then just for them to assume that, Oh, he'll be fine. Eventually he gets to the point where he's not going to be, he's clearly not going to be fine. So you need to change the Mm -hmm. way that you do things. And that just Jedi probably not ready for that just yet. Patrick, where where do you lean on this? Did did you feel like he was actually just recovering, or or do you think that he was bad to begin with? At first, I thought it was just like trauma and everything, because like you said, he was put through the ringer. Man's probably like having nightmares, not sleeping right, probably still in pain from his scars and all that. Because wasn't he like whipped and electrocuted and just all sorts of kind of just. physical psychological everything basically yeah and then the whole psychometry thing (laughs) yeah probably some of them drugs might be still lingering in the system because you don't know what they're doing to him yeah like it could be messing with his sleep it could be messing with eating could be messing with um just like his like any part of his physical activity so uh yeah it's it's easy to see where he would be off Mm mm-hmm because i think even even with even if he, like, we know, like, you know, hindsight, but, you know, if he has fallen, like, that means he's still not coping right. <laughs> I don't care if you're a follower of the yeah. dark side. If you're suspended in a dark room and you got some old man lightning shocking you every few days and you, you know, your love of your life has kind of escaped and you're probably getting, you know, you've you've seen your master die, etc. Like, it doesn't matter how far into the dark you lead, you've still got trauma in the background. There's only so much anger and hate that can keep it at bay. I look at Vader now as we sit between Empire and and uh, Return of the Jedi in the comic series. Like, he's starting to learn that. Like, they can only hold it for so long, and then eventually just starts trickling back in. Yep. Mm. That's a that's a fantastic, fantastic point. You know, we've already talked about Mace quite a bit today, but I just (laughs) he has poor, poor guy. Right. I kind of feel for him a little bit because any time that he opens his mouth to say something that he actually means and, you know, it wants to be given legitimate thought to, he continues to have to yield to the council. And like there are three or four times already in this book where he's like, but I yield to the council. Um, 
this is going to turn into a mace podcast eventually. We just, we just need to go ahead and put it in the books. You know, we've got a new show coming out like six of the seven days of the week. Maybe on Sundays we just have mace day. Yeah, I, think I don't know. Get, get, get Joxy to make a graphic of the three of us just pointing at him. <laughs> pointing at him. Um, how do, do you, do you feel bad for him at all that he has to keep getting kind of shut up and, and, and put down um, like, like he doesn't actually get his way here? No, I don't, and like, <laughs> and there's a reason for that. It's like we, we've we've heard stories in canon already where the the council used to just deliberate silently and come to agreement, right? Like we've all read that kind of story. Yeah. I feel like that we would be one step closer to that ability if he wasn't sitting in that room. Mm. I see him as the speed bump to tranquility in the council room, and if he wasn't there then I think we'd we'd be making some better decisions because none of them brought up execution. None of them were really thinking about it until he throws that word out there and, and then Mundy's like, oh, 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 I wasn't thinking about that because you weren't meant to think about it. You're a Jedi master. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah, the uh, and I think you it, bring up a good point. Because even in that conversation, I'm going to get there, but like Yoda's like, Ugh. but. I think it's just one of those things where Mace is there because of his raw power, I think, as well. Right. We know that he is a powerful Jedi Master, and, that's, and I just don't feel sorry for him because he, I, I see a lot of the Council's problems laying at his feet, not solely at his feet. All the others have made mistakes, but, like, he – just those lines where I yield to the Council is like, mate, you wouldn't have to do that if you – it just followed your own teachings. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, you know, there's a, it, it, it makes me think of, you know, they, in, I guess, Revenge of the Sith, primarily, you, they talk about how the dark side is clouding their judgment. And even in a room full of Jedi Masters, they, they are still so clouded. I'm, I'm, I'm almost wondering if Mace is a primary reason for that clouding of judgment. I mean, the man's fighting style is tinged in the dark side. Like he, he, oh, he welcomes it in to help him, you know, fight as aggressively like, as he does. Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, why would nobody else call that out? And like you know? in these scenes, like there are disagreement, but he's the first one to have a tinge of anger in the conversation. And then when he says something stupid, Obi-Wan's anger rises naturally when you're talking about killing the Count, talking about killing Quin Quinlan. Like, he brings anger into the room, and then that anger seeps into everyone else. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, fine. He, he, doesn't, he, he doesn't get a pass here. No passes. He doesn't, he doesn't get a pass. I'll mute you. Yeah, I, I, I tried. I tried. I tried. Um, chapter 32, we head to this asteroid. We, we get Voss, you know, back into the field. Patrick, give me your thoughts on on this asteroid scene. You know, we, we get Commander Cody and Jesse shows up. Um, Voss discovers some bombs. Um, how did you feel this whole thing played out? Like a whole Clone Wars episode. Yeah. To, to be honest. Also, um, the Anakin Obi-Wan banter is back <laughs> in the full effect. Yes. And what my favorite line from the whole thing was when boss was like, why do you always think you're on the same mission with us? Cause I am. Yep. And Obi-Wan looks at him like, you're kind of, kind of right. <laughs> Christy Golden nailed the banter on this. And she get, deserves 100% credit 
extra credit and all the cool points for this. Yeah, uh, I agree. Adam, uh, anything in particular stand out to you about the this chapter on the asteroid? Uh, I think <laughs> it's funny that uh, like Anakin is really good at bantering with Obi-Wan because Obi-Wan just rolls his eyes and goes along with it. But it just it seems like everyone else can put Anakin down. <laughs> he tries. He tries. He's a good boy. <laughs> Fine. <laughs> but I know just another great chapter and a great section, really, for me. Yeah. Well, whenever the they get back from the asteroid, you know, Voss discovers the bombs, which I felt like was pretty convenient. Um, you know, when he discovers them, I was like, oh, it's weird. He goes and he meets up with Ventress. And again, he does the whole like, I have a couple more things to do before I'll come. I, I promise I love you, but let me finish, you know, conversations, you know, with the council first. Let me finish doing a couple of things for him and then I'll come and, and, and be with you, which obvious red flag. But do you, I don't know, at this point, the first time that you read it, I guess, you know, did you believe his story? He says he just wanted, wants to do a couple more things. To me, it sounds like a bunch of Bantha Poodoo. Uh, Patrick, you want to give that one a shot? Oh, yeah, I feel like he was definitely like either stalling or just stringing her along. Like Adam, I said, you feel like, like we said earlier, dumb Jack in high school. Yeah. So Adam, same thing. Yeah, I think this You're is good. when like it's the dotting the I's and crossing the T's in terms of you starting to fully realize that he's a plant and he has things to do. <laughs> things, right. he, he's there to destabilize the Jedi and in turn stabilize the Republic. And I think... We look back in his conversations on Dathomir and the relationship between Quinlan and Asajj. Like, this is not what he should be saying. And I think this is where it just, it really puts a full stop in his fall, I think, for us as readers, where we're meant to realize, it's like, oh, come on, mate. All right, that's the wrong decision. That's too many wrong decisions. We are now in the full Ventress camp. Yeah, for sure. And that's like, you know, in the next chapter, you know, when they go to to discover this listening post, right? Like mm. it was another, just a hammer at home of like, we're going to listen to Voss again, this newly rehabilitated, you know, person. And he wants to take the lead on, well, even though this is a little bit weird and nothing's the way we expected, Voss is immediately like, yeah, let's go to ground. And here, let me use my psychometry to figure out what's going on because I know y'all are Jedi Masters and, and Jedi Knights, but like, I've, I've got the thing that's going to help us really decide what to do next. It's just he's blatantly taking charge, and that's just way too obvious <clears throat> at this point. And I think that we're definitely supposed to recognize that. Yeah, and I think they lean – again, it's just like look, leaning into their, their past rehabilitation where it's mm -hmm. clearly – what they call rehabilitation is not what we would call rehabilitation. Um, right. And I think, like we said before, you get to a point where you then need to go, uh, no, now this is really important. Like, he clearly cannot do it himself. You need to help him. Yeah. He needs to let yeah. us help him. Well, Kenobi figures out that something is weird because the two missions that they go back on with Voss end up going south nowhere near as to be expected and so he thinks there's a leak and wants to figure out what's going on you know everybody kind of kind of goes about it their own way there's i i did like the uh the connection that kenobi always kind of calls in his confidants in yoda and mace it seems interesting that he goes to those two specifically it's always the three of them 
they are such very different personalities too. Um, I do love that. And that's probably why, why Kenobi does, but I thought it was interesting watching Yoda kind of go back and forth on who's right in this conversation. Um, because I do feel like he does a little bit that, you know, Mace thinks that Voss hasn't been fully rehabilitated. Kenobi pushes back, you know, Adam, you talked about how, you know, Mace's anger kind of begets anger from everyone else as well. And Yoda's like, yeah, you know, I, I think that's too far to jump. I think Voss might be OK. And then Mace pushes back on it. And then Yoda's like, well, you know, we do need to consider all of our options <laughs> that I was like, poor, poor little green dude. Like he just can't seem to to get his stuff figured out and kind of realizes, you know, it's worth taking into my own hands. Did you find it interesting that he can touch people and kind of read their souls and figure out if they're like good or not, Adam? Yeah. And like you said at the start of the episode is that he we completely glance over that and i think yeah. i think mace's wanting to execute a fellow jedi master kind of helps us just oh well okay we're here now now i'm angry and um like we just completely forget this amazing ability that <laughs> yoda seems to have now it's like i remember yoda having this why is this not talked about more and why doesn't he touch mace more often <laughs> um like put the guy down um patrick how about you did you feel um kind of surprised by this i did uh yeah 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 i did i was thought it correlated to something else so i was like no that that's a new one he has the whole jesus effect here mm. also did, yeah I'm with you. Does he not see that Mace is a terrible person? Like, yeah, I think he's, I th- like you just can't go killing your your own people. Like, yeah. good God, I hate to be think, a judge. Think, yeah, as we mature yeah. as well, like I think we see that relationship a little bit different now. That part of me thinks there is a little bit of fear on Yoda's part. I think he knows kind of what Mace is at this point. It, unless you choose not to see what he is as a person. And we know that he is the Jedi's finest duelist at that point. He has this raw power. He leans into the dark side to fight. He will make his voice heard in the council. Like, do you think that perhaps Yoda is just... And you talked about it before. He's sitting on the fence in the conversation between Mace and Obi-Wan where every, everything screams, everything Jedi screams to agree with Obi-Wan but he must placate Mace Windu a little bit. Well, I think that's a failure of Yoda throughout the prequels. Yeah. As he, he... If you ever notice, he never stood fully firm on a lot of different things. Yeah. Like, he was always wishy-washy mm. and never... Being wishy-washy in a way... It's like, yeah, you can say, oh, you changed your mind based on the um, facts that were presented to you and the opinions of a variety of different people. But at the same time, if you're the leader of the organization, you're not at least putting a firm footing on at least one side of an argument or another. You're not keeping anybody grounded. You're not, you're not just putting a stamp in it and saying, no, we don't do this or yes, we, Mm. this is what our role is. And no, we don't stand for this, but you're just, you're letting everything become ambiguous. And that's it. Well, I always point back to, you know, my favorite episodes. I think those last of season six of the Clone Wars where Yoda goes on that journey of self-discovery and he has to fight, you know, the the evil incarnation of himself that he's like, you know, I 
I, I do see you. I recognize that you are the fear that I will not be strong enough, powerful enough. And I'm sure a lot of that is self-doubt and sometimes just leaving it up to the will of the force, you know, whatever that means. It, it's ultimately just unwillingness to commit and that that's probably a big reason for why they get into a lot of trouble if they do, Adam. And, that, you know, it makes me think of scenes like The Phantom Menace where Mace is uh, assessing Anakin in the council chamber where he's doing the assessing. He kind of seems to make the decision, even though there probably would have been a conversation already prior to that. Well, like you, I look, We look at Yoda, especially in Attack of the Clones, as the master who deals with the younglings. Yeah. Because they're the most comfortable with him yet mace is doing the test and mace is giving his proclamation of no we will not teach the boy um mm-hmm. and then yoda comes into the conversation it's just like um you know you think back to some medieval royalty where the crown prince is like just itching to become king and he's just trying to take power as he can right now and i just part of me just sees mace as that crown prince deemed um the successor of yoda and he's just trying to encroach in there and he uses the war to his advantage and he uses all these different things to his advantage oh no i can't have the chosen one here now because that changes everything where do i sit in the hierarchy from there yeah he i mean even in the the last season of the clone wars you know they they jump down and they see all the battle droids and he has that little monologue yeah. <laughs> right where he's like i have killed thousands of you whatever it's like he's he's trying to consistently build his resume on mm-hmm. the outside he's doing all these stretch goals right trying to to bump his standings on the republic get the republic cred up yeah i i see that he's and like now he doesn't like, really know what to do he's like prince charles looking at elizabeth going come on come on when is it my turn? It's my turn. <laughs> I want it now. <laughs> yeah. Like, he's just, yeah. I think once you start looking at Mace, as, like, your journey through Star Wars starts to mature, it really becomes very blatant of what, who he is as a person, the relationship between the Council and Mace, the relationship between Yoda and Mace, where, you know, it's a little, it starts to look like Yoda is deferring to him. Why? What, what are you doing? If I'm not mistaken, I was was under the, always was under the understanding. God, I can't speak this afternoon. That Yoda and Mace were never as close as we were led to believe. Mm. That they were always had some tension. Were always at a basic ideological difference. If I'm not mm. mistaken, and that that's fair. I mean, I I don't I I feel like. I know what you're talking about. I feel like we've seen that somewhere else, but maybe not. But even a lot of the new canon that we've seen, you know, the council intentionally doesn't necessarily agree on everything. Adam, I was about to say, like, even if you start to you start to see that as Yoda is his master, do you let a Mace Windu out into the galaxy? Do you kick him from the Jedi Order? No, you keep that guy as close as you can. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel so, like if they, if he was to be let go, Sidious get his hands on him. Star Wars is different. You know, I did love, you know, this chapter gives us, um, you know, obviously Mace wants to jump to execution. We see Cowdy Mundy agreeing. I thought it was really cool. We got the reference to Barris Offie um, in here, right? It just, it gives some extra credibility um, and, and showing that connection that, you know, everything is 
in this canon, everything sticks. You know, everything is legit and can reference each other. I thought that was really cool. Um, that she was the last major traitor that they had um, until Voss. You know, and Kenobi keeps trying to plead for this other way. You know, instead of just trying to 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 kill him, you know, we should try to to capture him. We should try to return him. I could definitely hear Mace just absolutely yelling in you know emphatically. He has fallen to the dark side. Like <laughs> like just absolutely had it. Um, and so Kenobi wants to set this trap. You know, do y'all think this is a good idea? Kenobi's plan wins out. Do you think that it's worth trying to to trap him and to try to to bait use him as bait to get Dooku? Uh, Adam, let's start with you. I think between the two plans, it's preferable that we don't kill him. But it is one of those. It's a gray area. I think this plan where we're, we're not really meant to like it, but clearly the alternative isn't. We do not want to. We do not want the alternative. So we're going to have to deal with this one. Because you really, I mean, you don't have an, anything else to do with him. You can't just like ship him off to the unknown regions because he's just going to go and muck everything up. I and mean, it's not like he's going to come willingly. Um, Patrick, what do you think here? Or sorry, Adam, go ahead. I was going to say, because balance isn't a thing right now. Qui-Gon is yeah. gone. That that idea of living through the, the living force through balance is gone with him, basically. Um, so they're still seeing it very black and white. Dark side, bad. Light side, good. Um, I think the sequel trilogy did really well of looking, bringing balance in. Um, you know, you look at Ray and everything that that came with, like it's very different back then, the belief system. Um, so, yeah, just, yeah. The idea of living in a black and white society like that, I think it very much, these are the pitfalls that you cannot, like Ventress, she's in the grey. We know that she's never going to fully disconnect herself from the dark side that is her life now that is who she is as a person why can't quinlan fall into the same area let's help him let's get him help and then help him enough that now he can go with asajj and be happy (laughs) that's not set a trap for him in a wartime scenario that's silly (laughs) patrick are you on the the same page here i think it was a good plan but i think it was it was one of the things that Kenobi had to scramble to do to keep them from just going completely yeah. insane. Because mm-hmm. they, they were all voting like, yep, let's kill him. And he, he's just trying to pull something out of like thin air just to, you know, keep everybody off the executioner stone. Yeah. So it's not bad, but it's kind of what he had to work with. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's like, it, did he try and save somebody's life? Because then yes. they're not ready for that conversation. They're just... yeah. it's like um it's like playing football sometimes you just gotta take five yards instead of throwing it all the way down the field just take just take your little bits at a time that's what kenobi had to do it's like we'll figure the rest out later they look at someone leaving like such a failure like someone could leave like quinlan and live with the love of his life his soulmate and be happy and not still make a statue of him in the archives and think they've failed somehow even though he's happier. <laughs> right. Yeah. That that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation. I just finished uh listening to Dooku Jedi Lost and you know, they talk about the busts and the Lost Twenty and the things like that, and I'm just like they are they are so salty that they decided to leave. But they mm-hmm. also recognize that sometimes that it's not you know, their way isn't the only way. Their way might be great, but it might not necessarily be the only way. And I'm like, you guys are full of it because half these people that left are probably just absolutely loving their lives. 
probably enjoying things way better than they ever had here and are still probably really good people. (laughs) And they might might be better people because they have the ability to use that and not be hampered by the red tape. Yeah. Patrick also, I know um, Duke who's having a better life. Because they were talking about that man drinking the best wine, and probably the <laughs> nicest steak that can ever be cooked. Man, he left he left mess all cantina food for for that. Yeah, I don't blame you. Yeah, steak always seems to be like the magic food in Star Wars. It seems to be so hard really to find, is, isn't it? <laughs> they get it, and it's like it high class, lovely. It's like back in the medieval times. It's like ah, oh, bread without worms. <laughs> the richest of the rich. <laughs> exactly. My uh, water doesn't have cholera in it or cholera. Ah, look at me. Hi. <laughs> uh, we we would end this talking about food, uh, knowing that it is encroaching dinner time. So thank you for that. Just onset it a little bit early. <laughs> for for Adam, I guess it's breakfast. <laughs> It is breakfast so. time. Hey, steak and eggs, man. Steak and eggs. <laughs> That's true. Steak goes with every meal. It every really meal. Does. <laughs> when you say steak, when you say steak and eggs in Australia, though, that's slang for a beer. <laughs> is it really? <laughs> yeah. One it's beer. Well, is, one mean, beer is basically steak. Uh, steak and eggs is basically a meal. <laughs> <laughs> Going off of Patrick's face, it sounds like a win either way. Steak and eggs, twenty twenty, might as well. <laughs> For our viewers, it's 8.15. I'm not going to go crack a beer. You don't have to worry about me. I'll send me messages. (laughs) In orange juice, it's a beer mosa and it's all brunch, okay? Remember, remember, we said steak and eggs. (laughs) We're we're, we're based in the U.S., so any any Australian slang does not apply, right? Quote, unquote, wink, wink. We don't know how he took it. We didn't know he would take it that way. Yeah. We were just talking about food. We do not officially endorse anything. (laughs) Or, Adam, you could just, like, you know, say epic. It's 2020. Um, I'm gonna put, put like a little uh, oh, little no. French meal together. You guys are being yeah. muted on Discord. What's happening? Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> Goodness. Well, let's call it there on the absolute bonkersness that it has been. Um, thank you to everybody in the chat for participating, for jumping in and joining with us. Um, we'll be back next week to finish Dark Disciple. We're going to be talking about chapters 35 through 42. Um, in the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Discord at underscore T Guthrie. Adam is at DarkStarAU, and Patrick is on Discord at Mac11. If you want to help support the show, head on over to utini.com, look up Dark Disciple, click the Amazon link on the profile. Um, it'll keep us on the air and help us produce some more awesome content, including Calf Faves, which is going to debut on October 30th. Make sure to stick around for that. You'll find links to Dark Disciple and November's book Kenobi in the show notes. If you'd like to help us out more directly, you can find us on Patreon or pick up some merch at utini.com forward slash merch. We've got some new stuff dropping soon. Um, I'm going to early scoop um, Jose, but a special thank you to Sally and Chris Eilerson on our Alliance High Command Patreon tier and Cheryl Bell, Alec Householder and Patrick Ortiz on our Jedi High Council tier for their amazing support. Shout out to Adam and Patrick for podcasting with me today. You guys are awesome. May the force be with you, everyone. 